Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lin, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hung. The world of technology and healthcare are ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news meshed together in new ways which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. On today's episode, we'll be doing another edition of Buy or Sell. Are we buying or selling various topics? And be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 16 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. 101st episode. Is that the downhill slope? Is that where we're at? <laughs> no, this is this is the the next rise. Oh, it's like a roller coaster. Rise. I got you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is kind of. I love these kinds of episodes, and I think the feedback has been from our listeners that and viewers that these are the kinds of episodes they enjoy listening to uh, the most. So glad we're doing another one. Yeah, especially because we just disagree. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, let's get right to it. Uh, John, are you buying or selling that the workforce challenge is going to get better for healthcare in 2023? So I'm buying that it's going to get better because for me, I look at what's happening. We're actually seeing this evolution and this embrace of automation. And when they embrace automation, they're going to have less dependency on the workforce and that's going to make things better. Do I think that the challenge of getting the right people into an organization is going to get better? No. <laughs> like, I think that could get worse and it could you know, become even more challenging. But I think what's going to change and the reason it will be better for a healthcare organization is they're going to adopt automation technologies. They're going to streamline various you know, approaches to, to problems that's going to make them more efficient and less dependent on the workforce. So it will minimize the impact that the workforce challenges are going to have. Wow. We are opposite. I am totally selling this one. (laughs) I think that the workforce challenge is going to continue to get worse in 2023 for healthcare um, across the entire board. I just think fundamentally, I I think it's going to take more than a year for uh, the industry to change uh, how we pay allied health professionals, nurses, even clinicians in some cases. I just don't think that's going to change in a year. I think they'll see we start to change as some hospitals change their policies, but I think it's going to take a while for that to filter through for everyone to realize, oh, we really should be paying our nurses more. That's part of the reason why they're leaving and going to join these, uh, you know, the nurse agencies. I also think that the the workforce challenge, we're going to continue to see the siphoning of tech and other type of talent away from hospitals to higher paying industries like mm. the tech industry itself, retail and so forth. Um, and, and so I think, I think healthcare is going to continue to struggle to find talent and to keep talent um, in, in those, in their ranks. Um, I just don't see it letting up in 2023. I think we may be used to it. I think it'll feel a little better because we're like, <laughs> oh, we're just getting used to this now where yep. people we thought we hired don't show up. <laughs> but I think it's just not going to get better until the year after in 2024. Well, I think your comments about kind of the locum tenens, you know, temporary nurse, travel nurse, whatever you want to call it, you know, when they see the bill for that, they're going to be like, oh, maybe we should just pay staff a little bit more. 
because <laughs> if we're going to pay this, like if that's the alternative, yeah, it's worth paying stuff more. So, you know, we'll see how quickly that, that evolves. I think the challenge with the workforce challenges is I actually see it as three workforce challenges. I see it on the clinician side, right? The nurses and doctors that are burnt out, that are tired, they're overwhelmed, et cetera, et cetera. And that's getting worse because the people left and then it like doubles down on the people who remain. So that that's, that's its own challenge. Right. And, and, and I think this was brewing even before COVID with just being tired of the you know, operational minutia and the regulations that were making that profession less bearable and not so much focused on the patient and more focused on the administrative duties. So I think that's one challenge. The second challenge is like your front desk staff and your billing staff and everything that's like, well, we're not getting paid much. Like, why don't I go work somewhere else? Or why don't I go somewhere? You know, or maybe I can work somewhere that is paying more for that same job because of the virtual environment allows me to do it. And then I think the tech one is similar to that last item, which is, oh, well, I do cybersecurity. I can do that anywhere now. Like maybe before I wanted to live in Lawrence, Kansas. And the only way for me is to work at the hospital, right? There weren't that many other jobs, uh, you know, no knock on Lawrence, but you know what I mean? (laughs) So now they're like, oh, I could do security at Mayo Clinic if I wanted to, right? And they pay more. And so, you know, I think that's the third piece of this workforce challenge is that they can work wherever they want. And so the geography isn't binding them to a specific location. And so they're going to even other healthcare organizations or even some, you know, big time industries that are going to pay them even more than healthcare will because they can do it from anywhere. Yeah. And I think, you know, you know, funny enough, I think the two areas you mentioned at the end there, the, 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 the billing and the min and then the tech, the one thing I think we're, I'm more optimistic about those areas is we're continuing to mint people in those two fields. There mm-hmm. are lots of cybersecurity people coming uh, forward. There are lots of training courses where people can learn about that. Um, companies like, you know, that are in this space are even trying to, to help the, the problem by, by helping with certifications and helping to educate more people in these areas. But that first one, I was just had a conversation with Dr. Haley Fisher-Wright, who's, you know, the president of MGMA. And she pointed to that, we're really going to need some long-term solutions, minting more nurses. Mm. And that's not going to happen overnight. We need to encourage more people to go into these fields, these clinical fields. And again, that doesn't happen overnight. So we're not going to see a lot of relief short of allowing foreign uh, trained folks to suddenly practice or allow people to, to practice across the state lines permanently, right? Where now you can take advantage of, well, there's a lot more of them living in Chicago, but maybe could work over in these other areas. Anyway, it, it, what she pointed to was that we need some long-term solutions, which is why, unfortunately, the pinch is still going to be felt for a few years more. Yeah, building the supply of nurses and doctors is a multi-year process. It's not, you know, whereas security professional, a couple of years, especially if you have some nice background, right? Billing, a couple of years, right? So, right. so yeah, it's a really good point. Next one, John. Uh, are you buying or selling that EHR vendor analytics solutions will make analytics vendors obsolete? So I, I, you know, this one I'm a little torn because there's some interesting dynamics at play in the industry right now in this regard. And there's a lot of organizations that are pushing for my EHR should do everything. <laughs> so, like, I, I, you know, it's hard to bet against that, but I am selling this because, and the biggest reason is that EHR vendors have so much on their plate 
that they can't get to some of the analytics solutions that people need. And there's kind of two layers to the analytics solutions. One is getting the data. Mm -hmm. EHR vendors can do that. And they're doing that now. And and that's what they offer in their analytics solutions today. But the analytics vendors are going to take it one step further in a way that EHR vendors are going to have a hard time following. And that is that they're going to take the data and turn it into actionable recommendations or engagement with the patients or whatever it might be, they're going to make the data actionable and useful in ways that the EHR vendor is going to be like, no, we're a software company. You go make it actionable. And so I think that's what's going to differentiate them. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I'm, I'm selling this one. Um, I think you know, there's no doubt that EHR vendors are trying to get bigger and more broad. Uh, and whether that's being driven because of the consolidation, the vendor consolidation efforts that are you know uh, super active right now, or whether it's because they just see this as a strategic part of their business, I just don't think that analytics is going to be the top priority. I think there are so many well-entrenched, very good systems out there that I think if, if I was an EHR vendor, I'd be like, you know what? I'll tackle that at the end. Like, Why upset the fact that my cust- customer is already using these other tools there's some other areas that I can go into first or that I should probably spend more time in. Analytics isn't one of them. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the analytics and capabilities of a lot of the EHR is probably not the best, right? Um, yeah. and, and, but but I think in terms of priority, I just don't see them prioritizing this area. It'd be one of the last ones that they decide to tackle in my mind. Well, and they are really distracted in giving the data to pharma, to payers and other things like that let alone meeting regulations, continuing the ongoing process of developing their EHR, automating the documentation that they're hearing complaints about all over the place. So yeah, I mean, it is a lower priority. I wouldn't say this though. There's two things that I think are really interesting in this space. One is Oracle acquiring Cerner. You know, talk about analytics vendor, right? <laughs> Oracle is <laughs> like the epitome. So, like, could they do something interesting with it? Uh, again, it goes back to the question of are they going to make it actionable or are they going to just provide a tool? So I think that's the challenge, although they could, right? They have the the knowledge, the tech expertise, et cetera, to do some of that with Cerner's clinical expertise. So, you know, like anyway, I'm going to be watching that because that one is pretty fascinating and they have the horsepower to do any analytics that you could ever want, including the AI that's becoming so common, NLP, et cetera, on top of the analytics. So that's interesting to watch. And then another thing to think about is, could an EHR vendor acquire one of these analytics vendors that's really owning it and then integrate it deeply into their product as part of their products? Uh, yeah, that might be a way, right? Where, you know, hey, our focus wasn't analytics, but it's become really important for our, our uh, customers. So why don't we buy one of these? Uh, the challenge is that most of the big ones are privately held and not acquirers in a big way. Uh, you know, Oracle Cerner being the one that's the exception, you know, ECW doesn't really acquire too much, you know, Athena Health doesn't, Epic, <laughs> Athena Health maybe, right? There's a potential there, but, you know, Meditech, Epic, they're not really huge acquirers. So, you know, that that's where it, it goes against that idea, but it would be interesting if, uh, you know, they acquire this analytics vendor and bolt it on as a, you know, hey, you're taking all of our data and making it actionable. Why don't we just acquire you and scale up that way? Well, and and you were talking before we got on air here, John, there's a lot of interesting companies that are kind of 
owning and, and operating in this space, right? I think you mentioned Medi Analytics and, and a few others. And it'll be interesting to see if any of them, uh, you know, get rolled up by any of the uh, other vendor, other competitors, or in fact, to your point, maybe some of these EHR vendors will kind of sit up and take notice and say, hey, why not just, uh, why just instead of OEMing it or instead of competing with them, let's just own them. Well, and we're seeing kind of a differentiation between analytics vendors. You know, you have ClearSense, which is doing some really incredible things with data and, and making it actionable and things like that. But then you also have like the Veronovums of the world that are really like, hey, I just want to get your data clean so you can actually trust the data before you do any of the other process, right? And so we are seeing even within the analytics space, different vendors, you know, working on different pieces of the puzzle in an interesting way. You know, Clarify Health does some some really interesting things, pulling in all the data. And then of course, they even work with payers in life science because that data is so powerful. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of people working on the data and I've often said the future of healthcare is built on the back of data and what we do with it is going to really determine what that future looks like. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lynn and Colin Hung. Today, we're talking about buying or selling various topics. A fun, fun episode. Uh, John, uh, you know, you kind of, you you went there. And so I'm excited to ask you this one. And one of the biggest users of data, obviously, and one of the biggest holders of data is uh, payers. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is a payer related buy or sell. Are you buying and sell or selling that big tech will buy a payer or provider? Yeah. So this one's fun to think about. One, they have the cash. So that's, that's where you look at it and you're like, Man, they have the cash to literally just buy these massive payers or providers, which, you know, now pay providers, right? They're payers and providers. And, you know, as that gets in, you know, what prompted me to think about this was actually the headline, which I haven't read the details of Apple providing health insurance. And, and I think it was tied to the Apple Watch and being able to understand your health and, and do that, right? So you look at that, you're like, wow, would big tech want a payer provider? You know, is that valuable to them? I think they would want the data, right? We've seen that proven. Google's wanted that data with Ascension that kind of went the wrong direction. And, you know, they bought Fitbit, et cetera, right? And what are they going to do with all that data? It, it, you know, so we know they want the data and could do something. Uh, and, you know, I look at it and I say, will they buy it? You know, the challenge for me is this that there's a lot of regulatory concerns that I'm not sure it's a great match for how they run their company. (laughs) But then, you know, on the other side, I also see big tech sees the trillions of dollars that's spent on healthcare and they feel like we need a piece of that puzzle. (laughs) And so I guess my answer is I'm buying that someone is going to take a, a flyer and go in and say, this is too juicy. I got I to gotta get a bite at the apple. And so I think one of the big tech will go buy one and then see if they can leverage their tech across the data and really provide something valuable. What's not clear to me is whether it can be approved. I don't know. that. that <laughs> that's an interesting regulatory approval. I don't know enough about antitrust and different things like but I would think they'd be okay with it. It's not, you know, there's other competitors out there. There's other providers, there's other payers. So, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a hesitant buy on this one. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm buying half of this one okay. <laughs> and, and selling the other half. So I am, I do not believe that big tech will buy a payer. I just think it's too, 
you know, if they want the data, it's there's probably better and cheaper ways to get to payer data, right? Like if, and I don't see any big company, any big tech company going, I want to become an insurer. Like I want to insure a bunch of members. Maybe they want to become a payer for their own employees. I can see that and be an insurance company for their own employees. But that's sort of, that's a captive. Self-insured company. Exactly. They become a captive. They don't need to buy a payer to be a captive, right? Right. Like, um, and besides, I think they'll just pilfer all the executives and the smart people (laughs) from a payer and attract them with, you know, I'd I'd rather work for Google, right? You know, wouldn't you rather work for Google than work for a payer? Um, I think there would be appealing to certain certain parts of the audience. But I do think on the provider side, uh, there will be some more movement. I think we saw it obviously this this year with Amazon and One Medical. Um, and uh, I think there'll be others. But I think like that acquisition, I think it'll be nibbling at the edges. Uh, I don't know if there, anyone wants to buy a hospital system. I don't. I can't see that happening. There's too much legacy, and and we've seen that big tech wants to move away from legacy, right? And so they'll they'll maybe look more at the retail health models, or they'll look at the telehealth models, or they might look at the periphery of of healthcare and look maybe maybe an urgent care. Um, uh, network, or maybe you know, um, uh, you know, labs, laboratories, and kind of go and look in those areas where it's a bit more retail-like, maybe a bit more uh, conducive to what they're, how they like to approach healthcare, more transactional, less you know, long-term, you know, multiple multiple condition type care that, th- that those pro- other providers um, provide. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm half selling, half buying this one. Yeah, well, it's tough to imagine, right? Like it's because their cultures are so fundamentally different, uh, you know. And and maybe you're right. Uh, would they buy a health system? That that feels like a stretch, right? Do they do they want that health system under them? And you know the inefficiencies of that. I think the uh, market would not react favorably to that either, which is right. probably a, a negative of why they wouldn't. But I think maybe it is those upstart kind of virtual health providers, if you will, is I don't know if that's even the right term for them, uh, but they are providing care similar to you might do in an office visit. I can see them acquiring some of those and turning off the cash. And Amazon is the most obvious one here, as they did with One Medical, right? Expanding that, you know, and they have a a, uh, a track record of doing that, you know, acquiring Whole Foods. So they're, they're not averse to having those type of retail locations that help them in, in other ways, right? They can put Amazon boxes there. They can, you know, it, it helps support them in other ways, right? They can do returns there. And so it gets back into some of that, that area as well. The other one that might be interesting to big tech is like the big companies like a CVS, or Walgreens, like, would they want to go and buy that? You know, because CVS is turning into as much healthcare as it is like a store, right? So, and do they want those locations to be able to do some things? I don't know. It would be interesting to watch. Yeah. I mean, and the other area that, that, you know, might be interesting and I'm sure would welcome it would be, you know, would big tech want to help innovate the home market? The home mm-hmm. care market. I mean, it's it's totally a bunch of independent organizations there right now. They're fairly small. Uh, it's almost screaming for a roll up. It, now, I don't know how you make money in that area, but but it is more transactional as well. Like certain types of of care, uh, you know, in that space can be a little bit more, you know, like kind of like the Best Buy 
right? Like, you know, a company like Best Buy could provide some of the technology to help already provide some of the technology to help with RPM setups and so forth. You know, could they kind of morph and go into that world, right? And and someone like a CVS and Walgreens already has all these retail locations very close to all, all of the people. So I could see that happening, but I can't, like we was talking about, I can't see anybody buying a health system. See, and I see a roll up in home health, but I don't see big tech doing it. I don't think they want that. <laughs> All right, last last one, John. Are you buying or selling that we have reached the low point in terms of healthcare conference attendance? This is a fascinating one because this year has been the most crazy year for healthcare conference attendance for me. Uh, it feels like every healthcare conference was trying to shove their conference into 2022 and make up for the two years before where they had low attendance or didn't even hold it at all, right? And so... Like, I feel like we've had a zillion conferences, like summer usually slows down. It didn't this year. Like I've talked to a lot of people that felt the same way. And so you look at that and you're like, wow, that's, that's kind of crazy. But, you know, and, and I, I, you know, to be frank, I've heard a lot of people saying these conferences haven't been as good. So, you know, I've heard that from a, a lot of people and, and some of them, you know, look at it and say, oh, we've been as successful as past, you know, we, we've had, we still have success. We want to keep investing, but it wasn't the way it was before, right? Is often what, yeah, I think that's the bigger times. Like there was value to come here, but it used to be twice as much value, right? And so that's a tough equation for a sponsor, which drives a lot of these conferences. Although, you know, they got the, some value, so they're going to continue. And so I guess I would say I, I'm, I'm selling that or I'm buying that this is the low point and I think it's up from here. I think there is a desire to get back to the conferences if the conference provides something useful. We see that at the user conferences. I, you know, I was at the ECW uh, user conference and it was packed, right? I mean, these people got so much value out of talking to their account manager and talking to their peers. And so it was so actionable for them that, you know, they did, you know, they did really well and it was a successful conference for them. So I think there may be some trimming of the conferences that aren't providing the same value or don't have as strong a community or, or don't provide as much like actionable support to those that attend. But I think, People love getting back together. I think we've proven that this year. And, and I think they're going to get back together. And, you know, and, and hopefully next year. And this, this is the only uh, uh, you know, caveat I'll throw in here. If we see a massive recession, then, then I'm probably wrong. It, next year will be the low point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting. I am definitely selling this one. Uh, I think, unfortunately, there's more. We haven't hit the, the, the bottom, the floor yet in terms of healthcare conference attendance. And the reason why I say that is I think there is momentum uh, or maybe pent up demand is the better way to put it from in 2022 where people are like, well, I didn't go anywhere in 2021 and now I'm using 2022 as the kind of year and I'm going to reconnect with everybody. And, and so I think we're seeing some of that where people are like, oh, this is my first conference back or this is the first time this one's back. So I'm going to come but a lot of those that I talked to at these conferences are like, yeah, but I'm not sure I'm coming back next year. A, because I got the value I needed, and but I've proven to myself I don't need to come every year. <laughs> like the, the pandemic kind of proved that. So maybe I might come back in 2025, right? Uh, I may skip 2024. The other reality is, of course, the financial one. 
right? Like, uh, I think even if the economy doesn't uh, go into recession, I still think uh, healthcare organizations, especially, are going to be tightening the um, the purse strings when it comes to conference attendance. I think unless they're speaking or unless there's some really strategic value, like a user conference, um, that they're going to get value from. I think they're going to be able. They're, they're not going to be able to get the money to attend. So I think from that side. Um, the attendance is going to drop. I think the vendor community, we're pretty much reached the bottom. I don't think we can go much lower. So I think the vendors are still going to go and they're still going to, they may shrink their footprint. Uh, but I think attendance wise, we're still going to have the same number of vendors there, just maybe in different ways, right? Maybe just as many people, but a smaller booth, or maybe they're just attending. Yeah, um, the argument, unfortunately, yeah, the argument against what you said at the beginning was my experience is that if they decide not to go to one conference, they usually go to another. Mm. So that you know, it's it's not so much. Yeah, they they may stop going to a specific conference because they got the value, but then they'll say, "Oh, uh, because I didn't go there, maybe I'll go to this other software company's user conference, right?" And 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 we've seen the user conferences have done quite well, you know, yes. because they have such specific niches, even when it's a tangential product. Of course, they have to do a little bit more to you know entertain the people and create an experience for them to come out, but they are doing that. And they've seen some success there when they execute that properly. And these organizations are happy to do it, especially when it's aligned with one of their strategic objectives, right? If they're trying to do a digital transformation of the digital front door, going to a user conference for you know someone who does that is really valuable because it aligns with that strategic goal. So I think there's some of that that's going to happen, but I see it more as, okay, I might not go to this one that I used to go to every year, but I'm going to go to something else because, yeah, I still want to get out of the office and I want a little break and I want to meet with some peers and that's important for me for my career. No, I, you know, I, I can I can see that happening. I can I can definitely see it. It just I I whatever happens, I do hope that people still come out to the conferences in 2023. And and you maybe you're right. Maybe they'll be more just more selective. They won't go to the one they used to go. They went in 2022. They'll go to a different one. And so the overall budget is not being affected. That would be a wonderful outcome, I think, for next year. Yeah, I'm biased since I'm in Vegas. We need conferences. But when you look at the numbers for Vegas. It's astounding at how much they've come back in a big way, which is interesting. Like, I think many people listening might be the same. It, all this is happening while COVID is still somewhat raging. And you're like, yeah, it is. And, and so I don't think COVID is even going to impact it next year any more than it did this year. I think people either decided they're going to go or they're not. Well, in either case, we'll definitely be on the road, right? <laughs> our, yeah. our conference attendance is definitely not hit a low point yet. Our conference attendance is going up, I think. Yep, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 have we reached a high point is the question. I think the answer is no to that too. <laughs> no, there's always more conferences to attend. Oh, man. Hey, listen, thanks to all of you who tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. For more details about our show, check out the programs page at healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on Twitter using the hashtag H-I-T-S-M. I'm Colin Hong, along with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lin. Thanks for listening and have a great week. <laughs>